Why is the Christian church so divided? Didn't Jesus tell us to love one another? Instead, our history seems to say we can't stand one another. Welcome to the Beyond the Lines podcast. In a world where there are a few loud voices spreading division, we want you to know that there are more of us who want unity and love. We are part of a community of people who love despite differences and listen to the stories of those who have been marginalized. We love beyond the lines of differences so that our lives can be full of diversity. We listen because we believe in human dignity for all people. Come listen with us and join a movement of people who are willing to love all people at all times. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest in Joe Tassini. He's the founder of the John 17 Movement, which is not another parachurch organization or a denomination. Rather, it's a a tool that is focused on unity. Joe is incredibly wise, and I can't wait for you to hear about this conversation. We talk about Jesus' longest recorded prayer in the Bible and why that should be more significant to Christians than it currently is. We talk about the reasons why Christians have become so divided and why our history is full of hostility towards one another. And what does this all have to do with a tasty Italian sauce? Join us today as we talk with Joe Tassini about what it means to love one another. All right, my name is Jonathan Miller, and I'm your designated listener today on the podcast, and Clayton Edelman is our co-listener today. How are you doing, Clayton? I'm doing good. I just had coffee, and I'm excited to hang out with you and Joe. And I feel like that's like the third podcast in a row where I said, how are you doing? You're like, got my that coffee. That is true. I'm noticing a trend here, <laughs> coffee, but no, I just had a Starbucks meeting with uh, someone, so it was a good time. Okay. Well, awesome. Yeah. The Starbucks meetings are some of the best. Um, today on the podcast, we have the founder of John the John 17 movement, which we're going to hear about a little more today. And I talked about in the intro you just heard. We are so excited to have and welcome Joe Tosini. Is that right? Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> which means it's not right. <laughs> no, it is right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you for being here today. I'm so excited to learn more about the John 17 movement as well as more about how we could be more unified, which is what the John 17 movement is all about. Um, I think your your motto is for it's all for one or something. That's, no. that's the musketeers. I'm sorry. I'm mixing up it in my head. Yeah, I think that's a musketeer thing, you know, uh, the three musketeers or four musketeers, you know, one of the movies. Yeah. But uh, no, in, in John 17, it's really more of... I'd like to think of it more of a service okay. than a, a movement. I mean, movement is a common word that's used, but let's think of it like a service. So we're not trying to, we're not starting another thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're actually, a, <laughs> we're actually just the opposite of starting. We're asking everything that exists within the Christian world to come together around uh, tables of friendship, mm. relational tables. So it's kind of like we're we're not starting, we're not creating a new instrument. We're trying to take the instruments that exist and see them come together as a philharmonic symphonic orchestra. Hmm. Does that make... That's a great illustration. Okay, though. so maybe that helps a little bit. You yeah. Know? Uh, so so it's a service to the, the big C, the C being Catholic, being Catholic just means universal. Hmm. It's, you know, there's the Roman Catholic Church, but then there's... The Catholic Church is the universal church. That's what the word means, universal. So our, we're, we're trying to serve the entire body of Christ hmm. in a very simple way. We're meeting each other now, meeting you now. We're sitting at a table. Yeah. You had your coffee, right? <laughs> so you're kinda, That's right, bouncing. Right? <laughs> so you're bouncy. So just think about, um, if you go even through the Bible, Jesus did a lot of his teaching around tables. Hmm. He was in people's homes. He he spoke. Some of the deepest things he ever said were uh, the night before he went to the cross, right? The the Last Supper. Mm -hmm. And we have a large account of the Last Supper in John chapter 13, the Gospel of John, to 17. That's kind of the... The book ends of the Last Supper. So what happened, real briefly, in that time, Jesus summarized his reason. Mm. Actually summarized the reason for just about everything. But we'll just kind of cover just a couple, just a few things so you can start asking questions. Yeah. So at that meal, which is very familiar, you're familiar with it, Clayton, I'm sure you're familiar with it. Mm-hmm. It says right in the beginning that Jesus knew where he came from. He knew he came from God. He knew now he was exiting and going back. That's what it says in the first verses. And with that knowledge, he arose from the table 
And he knew also that all power and all authority in the whole universe and all of creation was vested in him. Hmm. And with that understanding, where he came from, where he's going, the amount of authority and clout that he has, you know, like the Incredible Hulk, you know, getting <laughs> the table. But what did he do? He went and got a servant's apron, put it around him, and went and knelt down and washed each one of his disciples' feet. Hmm. And then when he completed that, and you know the story about that, but when he completed that, he went, took the apron off, sat down at the table, and then he asked him a question. He said, you call me your teacher, your Lord, and I'm not denying that I'm not. But now I have just set you an example. And I'm not telling you that this is an example so you can go and say, hey, I was at this meeting and, you know, Jesus washed my feet. Man, let me give you a, a great teaching on servant leadership and, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. You know, I'd perform a seminar, write a book, you know, you know, start a ministry about it. No, he said, I, I gave you an example that I want you to follow. And you're not blessed that you just know about this, but you're blessed that you do it. And then he proceeded to tell them, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love one another as I love you. And that's really key. So I want you to, this is explaining John 17. Jesus said very clearly to us, this is a new commandment. The one that we previously knew was love your neighbor as you love yourself. We all know that. It's in the Torah. Well, Jesus upped it. He said, this is a new one. I don't want you to love as you love yourself. I want you to love as I love you. And where was he heading? He was heading to the cross, mm -hmm. correct? And he told his disciples that three times during, that, during those chapters from John 13 all the way through when you get to 17. He told them that. He said, this is a new commandment I'm telling you. And then he said, by this, all men will know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples. How will they know it? because of the love that you have for one another. Mm -hmm. And so he, we believe in, in this John 17 initiative, that relationship is the key, mm -hmm. right? If you, if, you think about, if you think about everything, why is there a world? Why, are you, why do you exist? Why are we here? Why do we have the earth? Why do we have anything? It's because God, is a, God within himself, the Trinity, which is hard to understand, but we know it's relational, created for to have that creation enter into the relationship that exists within the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a relational purpose. Mm. You know, redemption is relational. Mm -hmm. It's to bring us that which is separated back into harmony which to our Creator. So Jesus says, listen, relationship in his demonstration begins at the feet, not at the head. So in John 17, in this initiative we have, we're saying the body of Christ, focusing on the body of Christ, if we're going to come together, why don't we start at a table and why don't we start at the feet, mm -hmm. not at the head? Do you follow that? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And right. with an understanding that we have been given a new command, and that's to love each other as Jesus loved us. That's pretty powerful. I mean, he washed Judas's feet. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about love beyond, that's pretty beyond, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so now, now, I'll, now I'll end my little things. You can ask me questions. So now go through to John 17. Now you get to the end, this, this little section I'm giving you a synopsis here. Yeah. And what does Jesus do? We hear the longest prayer we ever hear Jesus pray is John 17. We don't hear him pray that often in the Gospels. It says in the Gospels, a great while before day, he goes to a solitary place, and he's alone with God. But we don't know what he's saying. And then the disciples come, and they say, Lord, you know, everybody's looking for you. And then finally, the disciples, they, they asked him this question. They said, Lord, can you teach us to pray? And that's when he gave them what we call the Lord's Prayer, but really it's the disciples' prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven, he, you know, st starting to think, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But now in 17, John 17, right before he goes to the garden, to his passion, to be crucified, we hear him let us in on his conversation with the Father. And if you go through that chapter, it's a prayer. It's, it's a prayer. And it's, it's a prayer by Jesus. 
So I assume a few things. He prayed according to the will of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His prayers have a better chance of getting answered than most anyone's. I mean, I you know, let's kind of get some funny things. <laughs> that here. makes sense. Does it make any sense? And what did he pray for? It's a relational prayer. He prayed in, as he concludes, as he goes through it several times, Lord, I, I want you to keep these people that I have together, relationally one. And then the message that they're going to proclaim to everyone throughout the ages, you and you and me, Father, make them relationally one so that the world will know that you sent me. There's no, there, there's no exegesis that's contrary to that. That's the apologetic of the Christian faith, the unity mm-hmm. of believers. So ask yourself a question. <laughs> and, and I'll let you start asking me. So John 17, <laughs> John 17 is an initiative yeah. to try to bring people to a table and say, let's ask ourselves, that last night of Jesus' life, he made some very clear statements to us. He gave us a new commandment, and there's only two commands that Jesus gave us in the scripture. One was Matthew 7, don't judge, and the other was to love as I love. Hmm. And those are the guardrails, and you have to stay in between those guardrails. So John 17 says, let's start at the feet, let's get to know each other as believers, because Jesus prayed that we do this. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. That's cool. Yeah, that was super cool. I did look up on your website. It's not all for one. It's all be one, <laughs> which is different, quite different. Yeah, yeah. just in in many ways. And so I'm glad I looked up. And I apologize for getting yeah, that. No, that's fine. That's skewed. Um, I do have a question that I think about uh, quite often. And being in youth ministry, um, I, I used to be in youth ministry. And a question I would often get asked is. What, what do all the other denominations mean? Why don't we like meet together? What, you know, why are we so split up in the first place? Because, you know, Jesus, I, I think it's really interesting, and I'd love to hear your perspective on this. Uh, Jesus prayed this prayer, and even you said, like, of course Jesus is going to have a, probably a better chance of being answered yes. <laughs> but you look at the world today, look at Christianity today, it's not the most unified religion out there. You know, it's, we have a lot, we can have a lot of, um, a lot of quarrels and uh, history shows that um, they can get violent even. Mm-hmm. Uh, why do you think that is um, that we have at times reached these points of great contention and inability to listen or sit at a table together? Well, I think there could be probably a lot of things spoken about what you're saying, but let's try to cover a couple. Yeah. You know, ask us, let's start asking a, a simple question. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask the both of you a question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Does the church reflect the world or does the world reflect the church? Hmm. You guys going to have to come on. Let's, the this is a conversation, right? <laughs> right, right. Okay. Is okay. It, let's go. I'm leaning more towards the first one. So Which is? The church reflecting the world. The church reflecting the world more than the world reflecting the church. Right, but I think the latter, the world reflecting the church, is the goal, is what we want. Okay. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a good answer <laughs> to me. <laughs> great. Okay, I totally disagree. Okay. Now, let, no, <laughs> hey, that's great. Okay. Tell us more. Okay, so let's, I'm saying that to be a little funny here. But no, you're fine. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few other questions and see if, you, see, if this, see if this may bring you to a different conclusion. Okay. All right, I'm ready. Okay. When Jesus was, the, was talking in his Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. and he was describing believers— He comes to the end and he says, he comes there, he says, you, plural, in the Greek it's plural, Mm -hmm. you who are my followers are the what? The light Mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. You are the salt of the earth. You are the city set on a hill. Mm -hmm. Now what happens if the light is put under a bushel? It goes dark. It goes dark. If the salt loses its savor, right, the rottenness takes place. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, right, there's rotten state place. So is it possible that a divided, totally opposite of God's will, you mentioned about division, there's over 45,000 denominations mm-hmm. and counting. There are churches that split on a regular basis, 
you know, one guy doesn't like this. Some youth guy goes on and goes down the street and gathers some people to himself that's been the last 50, 60 years, especially in the new type of churches that this is one of them. As far as the new type of church, Central Christian is like mm-hmm. 60 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 62 yeah. or 63, yeah. I think. You know, I mean, there haven't been churches like this around for, right. they're pretty new, you know, non-denominational, you know, I'm kind of part of that. So the, the question comes, asking yourself the question, does division dim our light? Hmm. That's I think the question so. that, if you think that's true, does division uh, dim or, or weaken the salt that the church needs to be so the world doesn't go rotten? Hmm. Hmm. Is the world divided? Yeah. yeah. So my, I'll go back to my original question. I will say that the world is a reflection of the church more mm. than the church is a reflection of the world. Okay. Because we are the light of the world and we have a bushel over our light that's called division. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I totally see what you're saying now when you, you frame it that, that? way. Mm-hmm. You, if I frame it that way, does it change a little bit of thought yeah. possible? Yeah. At least make you go down that road. Mm-hmm. The salt, the city on the hill, if the salt loses its savor, how do you lose your savor? opposite of God's will. God's will is that we be one, we keep splitting. Mm-hmm. You lo- The salt loses its effectiveness, the world gets rotten. Yeah. Wait, what you're saying is that <clears throat> with the message and the the truth that Jesus gave us, if we were unified, the world would reflect who we are in because of Jesus, not necessarily because we're special, but because Jesus is with us because we're following his truth. Yeah, or just say this way, who is the light of the world? Well, Jesus. He said, we, Jesus in us. He said, you, you are, you plural, are the light of the world. I'm going to the Father. I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be, I'm going to tabernacle and be in you. You collectively together are what lights the world. Mm -hmm. If you're separated, it's like going into any, go to a stadium and you get all the lights, you know, and they turn the lights out and everybody turns the light on, the place lights up. If you just have your little light, you're over in this corner and you're in that corner, it's still dark, mm-hmm. right? So I'm trying. What I'm trying to say is that we can go through numerous illustrations. Uh, uh, if you go through the New Testament, it's extremely clear. The Apostle Paul says it all the time. You know, the biggest problem in Corinthians is their division. The biggest problem at the communion table is the division. Yep. Which is just okay. a few years after Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and so what we have is. So, so make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The whole point, love, love, the opposite of love is division. Mm-hmm. The goal of love is to bring that mm. which was lost back, right? To be reconciled. That's the whole point, reconciliation. We've been mm-hmm. given this ministry of reconciliation. So what we're saying is that we're never going to have, and, and if you've traveled around, if you travel, and I've traveled a lot around the world, there's all kinds of cultures. There's, thou, you know, what, what's your favorite food? My favorite food? Oh, man, barbecue. Barbecue. Definitely. <laughs> I like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite okay. food. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was to get a different people in the room and I yeah. get a little Asian kid in here, he goes, man, I like sushi or I like this. And someone else, you know, likes their Brazilian food or, mm-hmm. you know. You know so so what does is, what is the Bible say? Look, this isn't about eating or drinking. Romans 14, mm-hmm. you know, they were arguing about, you know, certain people eat only eat vegetables, certain people eat meat. Romans 14 says, let's not go crazy about this, for the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. Rather, in Romans 14, it's about right relationship, mm-hmm. righteousness, peace, the security that comes from that, and the expression of joy. The kingdom of God is relational, and we cannot allow our relationships to be separated because of what we like at the table the cultures we have, the preferences we have, and even the doctrines that we have. If Jesus is the center, and I can say in Christianity, if we celebrate Christmas and we celebrate Easter, what are we getting upset about? Right. Right? I mean, I mean, we have, but we have this certainty that we want that our doctrine, our particular mode mm. of baptism, mm-hmm. our particular understanding of of uh, eternal security, you know. Yeah. And so those Calvinists are over there, and those Arminians are over here, and those Catholics, God only knows where they are, you know. 
Mm-hmm. But we just don't know each other. Mm-hmm. So when we come together, we're saying real simple. It's really easy. Let's have a coffee. Let's, sorry about the bang in the table. Let's have something to, <laughs> set them to eat. And let's start by saying, hi, Clayton. Tell me Hello. about your journey. Yeah. We're brothers in Christ. You know, I come from a different generation than you. I come from a different generation than you. Let me tell you about my journey. You know, this is our background. This is our culture. This is our way. But we know when we start, Jesus prayed, mm-hmm. gave his life that we would be one. Mm-hmm. We would be one family. And that in the Valley of Phoenix, they would know that the body of Christ is a family. It's one. And without that, don't expect the place to be in order. Don't expect yeah. a political system to solve a spiritual problem. So you would say maybe that, you know, when the church is at its best, the world is reflecting it in its goodness. But when we divide, we're more reflecting the world and what it's already doing or has been doing because that's the result of of sin is no i'm saying no i'm saying the world's the world reflects the church if the church is divided it's more worldly than the world Mm. the division in the world can point its finger and say you guys are the light of the world that's what you say you are right and we're just doing what you're doing we're just reflecting your light Mm. and your light is hatred Division, wars, you had a 30-year war in Europe after the Reformation. You have people like uh, Martin Luther, who's really happy that Swigley got killed with a sword. Mm. You know, I mean, you, you have, I mean, you have all these things because of over, over an argument over communion, mm-hmm. an argument over baptism, you have the Anabaptist, you know, and you have people drowning them, you know, the Reformation. I mean, we have a history. You know, uh, we have a history that that takes the certainty what we believe our doctrine is instead of putting Jesus at the top. Mm-hmm. You know, we have we take this we take this all these add-ons. Well, this is what you have to be to be in our group to have communion at our table. Did you you understand? Yeah, totally. And once you start doing that, and so what I suggest to you, what I'm thinking is, your age where you are right now, this particular century. I'm believing and I'm, that this century, just like the last century, was a real a revival century of Holy Spirit and Pentecostalism all over the world. This century is going to be about Christian unity. Hmm. Because the question, the number one question in the hearts of human beings now is wh- how can we narrow the divides? Yeah. They say that at the UN, they're saying that in our country right now. How do we narrow divides? How do we narrow these divides? There's division, there's hatred, there's gender problems, racial issues, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Okay, where's the solution? Mm -hmm. The body of Christ, rise up and be what Jesus prayed you to be. Mm -hmm. So how do you see that playing out when you do meet? You know, say you've got uh, church members who are, hey, we're egalitarian maybe, or we're complementarian, and you get them to come together. I mean... How does, what does a John 17 well, we don't, we don't, movement we don't, look we like? We don't go together saying, okay, come in and tell us what you believe different than <laughs> yeah, what I believe. Yeah, that's good then. No, let's start off this way. Uh, I think that I'm going to die, mm-hmm. and I think that you're going to die. Yeah, I know that. Okay. <laughs> so we're all going to die. So what's, the, gonna... what's our commonality uh-huh. here? You know, I think, I think you probably do things in your life you wish you wouldn't do. And I think you do too, and I do too. So we have a lot of commonality. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about our journey. Okay. You know, so how what was your journey to believing what you believe now? What was your journey? What was your, so to get to know one another. Mm-hmm. As I said, you start at the feet. You don't start, I'm an right. egalitarian. Well, I don't really care. Yep. You know, I want to know more about who <laughs> you are. You know, so who, did your father beat you as a kid? Talk to me, you know? I mean, you know, what, you know, do you, you know, what, where did you, how'd you grow up? Where did you grow up? You know, what shaped you into being who you are? Mm-hmm. Because all of us have a story. Yeah, we're more than the labels that even yeah, we put on All of us have a story. Even the scripture says you overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of your personal testimony. So what is your story? And not what someone else taught you, because most of the things that you believe about the Bible, you didn't get from reading the Bible. You got them because somebody told you them. Right. Mm-hmm. No offense, but... No. Yeah, no, you're right. Right? <laughs> okay, I, oh, that's okay, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's good. Um, can you talk us a little bit? Obviously, the beginning of the John 17 initiative is yeah. John 17 when Jesus talked. Yeah. That's the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
But how did you get started with all of this? Okay. Like, how'd you begin? Tell us your story. I'll tell you my story. Uh, a little quick story. Yeah, quick. In uh, way back a long time ago, in 1974, I was at a, on a, in a university town, and I had got out of, you know, seminary school, you know, by training school, minister training school. And I was asked to come to a very small church, uh, and they didn't have any college students, and I was brought in to start a campus ministry, you know, there. Mm -hmm. In the denomination I was in, they had a campus ministry organization. So the pastor asked me to go to the university campus and pick up an application so I could fill it out so I could have a space in in universities, a major university. So I went onto the campus. And as I was walking on the campus, there were six, about seven tables that it was an activity mart. I don't know, they probably have it at ASU here too. You know, in the beginning of the year, you you walk on and they have all these different groups you can join. Yeah, yeah, just like a, a fair they have yeah, at fair, the beginning like of the week. Yeah. yeah, okay. So I went on and I noticed as I was I was walking by and it was like I hit uh, an invisible wall. You know, just my experience, you know, like boom. You know, like, but there's, there's no wall there. But it's like, and I heard like in, an internal question came to me to look at look look at the tables and i looked at the tables and i noticed the tables were uh, i can remember some of the campus crusade navigators university baptist student union ICTHUS. there was these christian organizations yeah. that you can you know mm-hmm. join and i saw those tables set up and this question came to me not many years before when i would if I was walking on campus, and I happened to live in Berkeley, California back then, and uh, when I had my experience with Jesus Got Saved, if I was to walk on campus and I was to see those tables, what would I think? That was the question that came to me. And the answer that came out of me was uh, seven different Jesuses. Mm. And then I, I believed that I heard, I don't want you to put another table up. Wow. In fact, I don't even want you on this campus. I'm building a church, not a campus ministry. That was a particular thing that happened to me. And I'm going to bring the campus to you. So I went back. The pastor I was working with, if you could imagine this, you know, you're in youth ministry or whatever I'm, I was going to do. He said, did you get, get the application? I said, Pastor, let me tell you what happened to me. I was, so I told him the story. <laughs> and as I told him that story, a person came in the room and said, oh, Pastor Joe, was looking, we're looking for you. Um, you're getting ready to have a baby uh, at that time. And um, I know you need a place to live because you live in a small place. There's this home that's available uh, at a Baptist church. This builder is leaving town. He needs someone to watch his house, fully furnished, big house, for a year. And as soon as she said that to me, I said, Pastor, I think I need to take that house and start having prayer meetings there. You know? Well, it happened to be five miles out of the town on a gravel road with no street name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was miles from where the campus was. And the pastor said, "You're gonna, w- w- how are you going to do that? Well, end of my story, and I want to labor it. We had several hundred people converted at that house and to the point by the second semester there were more students coming. And within a, within a very short time, there was just hundreds and hundreds of Students coming, and then they, all the campus tables, those tables I talked about, after a semester or two, they all called me in and said, what's going on? There are more kids coming out. to you know." And I said, well, I'm not a campus minister, and I told them my story. And then I wrote a letter to all the pastors in the town, the three Catholic churches, um, Evangelical Free, and then a Baptist church. I wrote a letter to all the churches. Pastors, now I was a young guy, pretty young. I was younger than you. but um, And they came to a lunch. And I told him the story that I just told you. And I asked him to come and speak. And the priest said, you want me to come and speak at this Friday night meeting you're having where all these kids are coming left and right. It's in the newspaper. The university town is a small town. So I was, it was kind of a big deal. It was happening. You know, it was during this Jesus movement time. And uh, I said, yeah. And I told him, that. I said, it's only Jesus isn't a polygamist. Because that's what I felt when I saw those tables. He only has one bride. Hmm. He doesn't have six brides. He has one. He's not a polygamist. He's one church. And so they came, and we started this friendship. And and then within a year, um, 
we had a meeting called Community. And there was a gentleman who I invited to come who was very famous as far as Christian unity with the Pope and Rome from, from Vatican II, historical thing. And he came. And at that time, uh, there was a prayer time between a bishop and this guy prayed for me that my life would be devoted to unity. Well, that took a hiatus because I wound up being pastoring a church, big situation. And so years later, to answer where specifically, when this Pope got elected a number of years ago, I was in New York City. And I was awakened in the middle of the night. I went into a room and uh, to pray. And I felt this urge, and I'm not Roman Catholic, to pray for this newly elected Pope. I thought, well, that's strange. And so I just I started praying. And all of a sudden, I was brought back, you know, 30 years before, 40 years, almost 30, to those tables. And that you're going to end your life, you know, this century is going to all be about unity. Hmm. And you're going to know this Pope. And he's got the same vision. And all of that took happen. So I, we can go forever. But I mm -hmm. wound up meeting him. And I brought Cal and Lisa to meet him. And, yeah. and so I feel like I'm just called to do this. And it's nothing about me or starting a ministry, as I said, or some parachurch organization. It's a service to say, let's come together and let's get to know each other. I'm curious, just how was that meeting the Pope? I mean... It's kind of wild, but uh, yeah, yeah. I was at it. Yeah, I just left. We were just there in November. Okay. Actually, Lisa. Yeah, uh, I've seen some. Pictures. I saw the photos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was. Um, it, it it proved to be of an answer. To, sometimes you know you hear something when you pray, but you know, is it real? You think it is, but when it happens, then you know it is. You know, <laughs> this is that which was spoken of. Absolutely, so yeah. it's the this is that. It's like driving in the back of a station wagon. Oh, there it is. You know, I've <laughs> thought about it and there it is. Now I see it, you know, as you go by it. And so that's kind of how it is at me. I, you know, I feel these things and then all, and if they come to pass, well, it seems to be true. Yeah. yeah. What did and, you, what did you talk with the Pope about? Anything specific or? Not the stuff I'm talking to you about. Exactly. Yeah. Unity, yeah. 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 I just wrote him a letter the other day. So I kinda, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. So yeah, no, he's, he's a very, he's just a believer. Um, he's a humble man. He's a believer. He believes in Christian unity. He believes this thing I'm talking to you about John 17. He said at our last meeting is revolutionary and mm. it's what the body of Christ needs to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and start there. If you believe Jesus is Lord and he's mm -hmm. your savior and whether you're a priest or not a priest or a member of this church or that church, we believe that we're, we're family. Mm -hmm. we, and how can we expect the world to come together in their divides if we as a family can't even come together, mm -hmm. acknowledging you, you follow? Yeah. Doesn't that make sense to you that guys? Absolute, yeah. Talk to me. Sense. I mean, does, does I totally get it crazy? Because because, well, it doesn't seem crazy at okay. all, but I even know that even as we're talking and people are listening right now, they're thinking, oh, the, like they have these pre-programmed things like the Pope, like the, the things they've been told about the Catholic Church, you know, since if they're Protestants, you know, they're like, what? You know, I grew up... Uh, I just didn't have any interaction whatsoever with Catholics at all. Yeah. I, like Roman I, Catholics. Roman Catholics. You're, you're right. Catholic. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, again, not something I knew, right, yeah. at all. And I'm yeah. still working through the, <laughs> the, those word definitions. But I remember when I was like 20 and I, I, had, a, I had a school assignment to go visit a dom denomination I'd never been a part of. So I, de I decided to go to a Catholic church, a Roman Catholic church, and I had no idea what was going on at all. And it was it was fascinating to me. But it didn't seem like, uh, to be honest, at the time, I'm like, this doesn't seem like Christianity because it doesn't look anything like what I normally experience with, with church and all that. Um, so I know there's people out there who have that, even if they want unity, they have this resistance in their mind where they've been told other, like, no, 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 you don't trust them, that particular, you know, maybe they're okay, you know, this group and or that group's okay. But that group, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Know. Well, don't you find that when you when you hear about someone but never meet them, it's a lot different than when you meet them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know. So uh, take this pope for example. He was asked a question one time. It was funny. Um, they were questioning. You know, do you, have you ever? Do you know the day? Or I mean, do you know about when you were born again? And he said, Yeah. <laughs> he gave the date and the time and the moment. Wow. And they went, oh, 
<laughs> Wait, what am I going to do next? Yeah. You know, in other words, yeah, no, there's, um, when you get to know someone and you ask them the questions, I've asked numerous priests and bishops and, and other, you know, when was that moment when the penny dropped for you? How, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and they all have a, a, a story of being born again. Right. And, and and when you talk about going to a church that you haven't gone to before, you know, if you went to a mass and I've had people go to a mass and well the centrality of everything is the Eucharist. It's the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus dying his death and resurrection. It's the gospel, isn't it? Yeah. So so yeah, I mean to be fully Christian, uh what does it mean to be fully Christian? Do we define Christians? I mean, I just came from a place that uh, you know, their whole thing, their their background is being Calvin Calvinistic. Yeah. So they believe they have the assurance of their doctrine, you know. Well, this church here represents more of an Arminian slant, mm-hmm. right? Okay, yep. so, but the pastors of the both places are good friends. Yeah, and, and I'm they, sure they meet with you. And, <laughs> yeah, they meet, they come, and they have dinner together. I've had the pastor here, and you could talk to Cal, and he sat at a table, I believe, with a Franciscan friar at my house, which he'd never been with one of those guys before, yeah, you know? that's awesome. But you hear the story about how they came, what caused them to take the calling they feel they have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think we need to be, um, we, not, we don't need to have the certainty of our particular teaching. We need to have the certainty of Jesus. Hmm. We don't need to have and the certainty of our particular teaching. Yeah. We just need Jesus. Jesus. The certainty that's of Jesus great. and his love, that's the key. I mean, that's really the key. And if we cut, and I know that you're the generation you're a part of, they're going to respond to this. Not having, you know, well, what makes me different than you? That's not, Mm-mm. that's not it. It's what, what causes us to be one family? I don't understand everything about all the different issues, loving beyond, as you say, but boy, when I sit with somebody who's different and I listen, uh, Francis mentions, the Pope mentions something really great. He says, preachers are good. They have the gift of the mouth, no question, but they need to learn to do the gift of the ear Yeah, and listen to each other. That's good. Yeah. I, it, so it sounds like, if I'm understanding correctly, you're saying the essential for John 17 is... Is Jesus? It's who He is, and yeah, it's His prayer. Yeah, and everything else is <laughs> yeah. that's secondary, that's tertiary. Yeah. It's like, yeah. hey, let's just yeah. let's unite about the one thing we know yeah, is yeah. Jesus. I'm, I'm asking the both of you yeah. what I ask everyone else: Can you um, go to Jesus's prayer mm-hmm. and make His prayer your prayer, mm-hmm. and tell me what it does to your life? Yeah, the, I mean, in other words, if He prayed a prayer, mm-hmm. can 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 that prayer be something that you align your life up to? Right. And if we can, that seems like we're imitating Jesus more than maybe just having these beliefs or being brought up in a certain And, and he background. gave us he gave us some very simple things. He came to a table, he said, Can you start at the feet with each other? Mm-hmm. And can you culminate with each other by saying, Hey, listen, this is what Jesus prayed. I want my life to line up to that prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I know it, it doesn't have to be, you know, one of the famous monks or a priest wrote a book, you know, uh, love alone is credible. And I think that we're living in a century where people in your world and, you know, love is what's credible. Mm-hmm. Everything else, what's your motive? What's your reason? What's your this? You oh, got an angle, you know, this and that. But love alone is what's really credible. Mm. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I look in the world and I, I can see so many people just being divided on different things. But like you said, when, when you do something out of genuine love for somebody, your, your intentions are never questioned or people think differently of you. And man, if we could just grasp that. Yeah. So (laughs) isn't, isn't, uh, if you have children Mm -hmm. and you're a parent and you have more than one child, don't you want them to be together? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not a this is not like some complex theological concept that's way beyond anyone's understanding in fact it's everyone's understanding you want your children to be together i have children i want them to love each other you know the father within the story of the two sons the elder brother and the younger one the one comes home the father's in the middle he he wants he wants his older son to feel towards his brother the way he feels towards his brother and the goal of god is i want my heart to be in you. The Father's heart is to be in us. If it is, that's what Jesus said. I only say what the Father says. I do what the Father says to do. I'm even fulfilling his will that we be one. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the goal. I mean, God, our Father, that should give you a clue. 
you know, parent. So how can we as the body of Christ not accept the scandal of division and repent over it individually and collectively right. and say to those outside, we have failed to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. Now, we do acts of charity, and, I, and nobody's trying to, you know, knock, knock everything, but as a, as, a, as a family, as a Christian family, we are a divided family. Let's own it. Mm-hmm. Let's repent over it, and let's come together. And your generation could do that. Yeah. You know, I'm challenging both of you to do that. Just do that. And you'll see, I'm telling you, you'll see something will happen in your lives and, the, and your testimony around you. Well, um, with Jesus, I think it's possible. I, just by myself, I'm like, I can't do this, yeah. but I'm, I'm up for the challenge for sure. Yeah. Uh, one question I do have, uh, when Jesus prayed John 17, he wasn't talking, he was talking to, he's praying for the disciples and then for the other believers. Anyone else who would ever believe, you and right. I. right. So how does this message of unity apply to how Christians would treat even other people of other religions and how you see that played out? Sure. I, I, the goal, for God so loved the world. the world. Not everybody in the world believed Jesus, right? Right. But he loved the world. We, are, we all come, Paul even said it in, in the epistles, every, everyone on earth, everyone who's created comes from the one creator. We're all in technically children of god mm-hmm. you know we are i mean we get our origin from god he created us so so i think we need to look at people in that way they're a child of god mm-hmm. they may not be you know they may be rebellious towards him or whatever you know i don't want to go down that but remember i want to stay within those two boundaries don't judge mm-hmm. love as i love if i stay in that if i stay in that lane you know, with those two guardrails preventing me from going one side to the other. I'll give you a great story. A Chinese woman that I know that we I just been with, she told me about her first experience coming to this. She's mainland China, and I don't know what you know about Taiwan versus mainland China. There's, you know, a separation there for a long time. When, when China opened up and the mainland Chinese students started coming to universities here in the America, only Taiwanese students were there here at that time. She talked about coming and she met a Christian, first Christian she ever met, a Taiwanese Christian. And they said, oh, we want to witness to you. And they brought her to church. And the first thing they told her was that everyone in mainland China was going to hell. That was her introduction to Christianity. Wow. And she told me that two weeks ago lady in her 50s and so now i mean she's had a great turn we've been praying with her and so forth but my point is is that really the message that we're supposed to be telling people no you know or is it for god so loved you that he gave jesus Mm -hmm. and i'm not here to judge you that's not my it's not it's not my pay grade yeah. You know, don't do, I mean, Matthew 7 is clear, don't do that. It's a command. And love as I love, that's a command. I'm telling you, you stay in those, and, and it's in God's hands. Now, it doesn't mean I'm denying the gospel. I, I think Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, you know, for sure. You know, he's the, he, but he can reveal himself to anybody at any time. The thief on the cross didn't take very long. This day he'll be with me in paradise, yeah. <laughs> right? If a person's in a coma, he can reveal himself to them in a coma, right? I mean, Jesus isn't beyond any of right. that. So why can't we just get out of that, you know, telling, you know, starting to say, you going to heaven, you going to hell and doing all that stuff. Yeah. Why can't we just stay in the... We don't get to make saying? that decision. No. We don't get to judge. That's what you're saying. So that your two guardrails are, yeah. do not judge. <clears throat> And love like Jesus loved. Yeah, there's a girl way back in the Jesus days, long time ago in Costa Mesa, California. There was a great story of a girl. <laughs> she was going. She got saved and she was writing courses. And she went. You go into this university, and the professor was really criticizing her all the time. And she kept saying the same thing. You know, she said to him, "Well, I, all I know is that if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. You know, and cleanse you." And he said, "Well, what about people that don't know this? What about people that don't know that?" And she said, "Well, I just read in the Bible that will not the judge of the whole earth do what's right? Hmm. And who whose hands do you want to put yourself in?" Do you want to put yourself in your parents' hands to judge you? Or do you want to put yourself in your siblings' hands to judge you? <laughs> if the young brother came home and the father wasn't there, and it was just his elder brother to greet him, what would have happened? 
Kicked right out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so see you later. There wouldn't be a fatted calf. And no, there wouldn't be a party. No party. There wouldn't be a ring. There wouldn't be a robe. Yeah. All that'd be gone. But the father was there. Uh-huh. So the question is, is the father present in our heart, mm. in the body of Christ? Is is he present? You, 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 you read that? I'm following, yeah. All right, well, talk back to me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that's great. I think a lot of people don't even realize, even outside of Christian circles, that the origination of this idea of tolerance and tolerating other religion comes from Christianity, especially in the early church fathers. The the very phrase that all people are created equal that thomas jefferson wrote in yes. the Declar- it comes from tortullian yes i believe um in the fourth century th- fourth or third century yeah well the if you if you study apologetics you know there's this whole book this huge book on apologetics right and you go back to the first centuries what was the christian apologetic it was very simple see how they love each other yep it was that they they fed people who were not believers you know they they cared for the poor which mm-hmm. people thought they were crazy. Yeah. Like, nobody does that. And and they were marginalized. They were marginalized. And uh, Christians were, right? But they proclaimed that the Lord that they, that they serve and the true Lord of everyone loved us and loved them and they cared for people. Mm-hmm. And, and who took care of the lepers? Who took care of? It was the believers. Those first couple of centuries during the persecution, those believers were, you know, now they had their issues and we all have our issues. Right. We understand that. But the writings and everything always are encouraging them. John, in his epistles, God is love. He defines God. You cannot separate love from God, God from love. You can't do it. One mm-hmm. and the same. And he said that if you can't love your brother who you see, you can't say you love God who you don't see. Right. So, so how can we as the body of Christ not take seriously when you put the whole summa of the Bible together? It's about love. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, it truly is about love. Yeah, no. So well, how do we write the ship then? If, you know, if early church, you know, first, second century of, you know, everybody was all good, right? Look at the Christians, how they love one another. Uh, I know, I believe, you know, when what you're saying, what you're doing is one of the ways. But I mean, are there practical steps that I think you write the ship by you, you, and me mm-hmm. doing what Jesus asked us to do mm-hmm. together. Yeah. Yeah. together and he said you know we have we have an, we have three navigational tools to get through life faith hope and love that's corinthians 13 right now abide these three faith hope and love mm-hmm. but the greatest of the three is love why because without love the fire of life think of yourself as a frying pan mm-hmm. and you, god puts you on the fire that's life if if you take and i used to joke about this by using i use a lot of illustrations sarah yeah. laughs at me but <laughs> if you take uh, the greedy basic ingredients for a wonderful sauce and italian i'm italian food right yeah. you have you have tomatoes garlic olive oil mm-hmm. so when I, you make a sauce if you were to just take the garlic which would represent to me real strong like faith and you'd put it on that pan the fire of life will burn it hmm. Mm-hmm. If you just take tomatoes and put them on the, in that pan, the fire of life will burn both of them up. Your mm-hmm. faith and hope will get destroyed. But if you have oil, and you have oil, which I'm saying represents love, yeah. and you add to that your faith, and you add to that hope, then your life becomes an aroma and a sauce. Mm-hmm. So that's when he says, look, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, because without love, the other two don't, they're, they're just a burnt smell in the house. Right. But with love, now when you walk into a bunch of where believers are, there's an aroma that's appetizing. Does that, is that a silly, does that make no, sense? No, I think, I think all the cooks out there who just heard that are like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody who doesn't cook are like, I have no idea what he's talking, yeah, about. He's talking about. But yeah, but you get my, you get my yes, point. Yes, absolutely. You, you get my point. Yeah, and yeah. Paul says at one point, you can have all these different characteristics, but if you don't have love, it's literally yeah. pointless. And and that's what God has given us to get through love. And so you, I think your generation in this century really has a challenge and a great opportunity to go beyond and just within our own family, just start taking the believers. I mean, you know, and could you imagine in Phoenix coming together with, you know, 800,000 of your age group? Yeah. Roman Catholic, you name it, and saying, hey, you know what? We're not going to follow the history of division. Mm -hmm. We're, We're taking a different approach. We're coming to a table. We're coming to the table that Jesus brought us to when he washed our feet. 
and we're coming to his prayer. And we're going, let's go back to his prayer. We want to, we know, we, you know, we understand there's differences, but that's okay. You know, let's use them differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like a symphony. There's, you know, I mean, not everybody, I want to get all the trumpets together. Well, just go start a church of trumpets. Okay, I want a symphony. <laughs> you know, I want a philharmonic orchestra. Yeah. You got to have them all playing in harmony under the conductor. And Jesus is the conductor and he's, I want you to love each other. <laughs> Absolutely. I hear that if people are listening to us on the release date, they might have a chance that you're having an event coming March. up in March. March 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, we're having, uh, we have him every quarter. There's something going on in the Valley every quarter. We had, um, I think there'll be something going on here too, but um, one of the campuses, but every quarter, but Mar- March 8th, 9th, and 10th is our next one, on the 10th in particular, you know, we're going to be meeting, uh, and it'll be probably in uh, Carefree, you know, okay. yeah. it, it looks that way. It might, if it changes at all, we'll let you know, so you could let everybody know. Yeah, I'll put, I'll put uh, whatever you can give me in the show notes would, of the show. Would so you do people that? Can, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you all that, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, send it to me, and I'll have it in the show notes for all the information, March 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, okay. Get on your calendars if you're interested to check yeah, it out. Yeah, we want, I just think people coming together, and and I'm in particularly interested in the, the generation and generations behind me, you know, that are coming up. That we have a that we don't perpetuate a divided church. That we you know we say you know what this comes a point we say you know what no more. Mm-hmm. You know we're bringing the family back together. Right. You know be the Blues Brothers. You know be on a mission from God. You know <laughs> we get the band back together, get the orchestra back together. But you know it's um, I think it's just important. Extreme. I know it is. I'm not saying I think. Absolutely. Um, thank you so much for being here today. I know there are there are so many more stories you could tell us, yeah. so many more illustrations you can give us. Yeah. It sounds like I love illustrations myself. Yeah. I, could, I love analogies. And um, so I loved your illustrations. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you for giving us your wisdom and being here and asking us questions and stumping us. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for your grace. Um, but that is it for us today. Um, uh, I'm just really grateful for what yeah. God is doing and, and hearing uh, that there are people out there who are beginning to bring us back together as Jesus wanted to, us to be in the first place. Um, and thank you. Really, yeah. I really appreciate you having yeah. me here. No, thank you. You guys you had a really great spirit about you, so thanks. Well, thank you. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, thank you for listening to us today on Beyond the Lines podcast. Uh, before you go, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. I'm going to say that every single time until you do, uh, or on Spotify. Uh, we believe in strongly in what God is doing at uh, Beyond the Lines and would love for people to join the join what we're doing and be a part of the listeners. And by giving us a review, that, that helps the process. It helps people find us. So also, a great way for people to find us is just for you to share this, this episode with them. So if you really enjoyed this episode, uh, somebody else in your life might enjoy it too. So share it. Uh, we have it on YouTube and on wherever you get your podcasts, obviously. So share it with them. And if you're on the video on YouTube, give us a comment or a like. That'd be sweet. Um, We record here at Central Christian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Our community here is pursuing the mantra of love beyond, which calls us to empathize with people who are different and build bridges of peace. If you're interested at all in learning more about our church, check us out at centralaz.com. We have online services as well as a bunch of different locations in the Phoenix metro area if you're local. We'll see you at next time's episode of Beyond the Lines. Until then, start loving beyond your lines.